Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And it's another episode of B-Sides. B-Sides. Y'all. B-Sides. Uh, yeah, this one's got a lot of stuff. A lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of stuff that was going on. This one's got a lot of pouches. In fact, there was so there was so much stuff that we're going to divide it into two episodes. So, yeah, sorry. No, no more two-hour marathons. We can't handle it. We're too old. Too old. <laughs> <laughs> My bones start aching. Just can't do it. Uh, pouches, man. There's so many pouches here. Yeah, New Mutants number 98. We got a lot of pouches. Yep. We're, uh, Is there any pouches in anything else? Oh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Not as many in this as there are in this issue, though. Uh, so N- New Mutants is home stretch, right? Uh, three more issues, and then we're done. No more New yeah, Mutants you can ever. Feel it too, they're 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 winding down. <laughs> this cover of New Mutants number ninety eight is uh, Rob Liefeld's sketch feel or sketchbook. It looks like they every everything he draws looks like his sketchbook. <laughs> so on the right hand side, you've got Deadpool. Everybody, the first appearance of Deadpool. I wonder if this issue is worth a bunch of money now. I believe it's like three hundred bucks or something. Okay. I don't. I don't think I have this. I'm pretty positive I don't have this. But if you did, you'd have a nice little three hundred bucks. Uh, and then the mysterious Gideon and the dynamic Dine Domino. Uh, and so those three kind of stick out in the foreground. And to me, it looks like he drew these characters, sent them to Tom DeFalco or whoever the hell the uh, editor is at this point, and said, "Hey, these guys are cool. Can I use them?" And Tom's like, yeah, I don't care. And then he's like, great. And then he kind of drew in Cable, Boom Boom, Cannonball, and Sunspot in the background. This issue overall feels very much like out with the old, in with the new. Oh, they're, yeah. they're they're setting up X Force. They're introducing their new characters. They're getting rid of the old characters. Uh, getting rid of the old writers too. Louise Simonson is gone. Yeah, replaced by Fabian Nicieza. Nicieza is always how I've thought it was pronounced, but I have no idea. Sure. But he's hot off of New Warriors, so okay, that's cool. Uh, he's also doing Alpha Flight, which is probably not as cool, but, you know, whatever. Job's a job. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, D- uh, Deadpool and Domino, they've got the pouches. Um, Gideon's wearing like a, what would you call that? Uh, a robe or... Looks like a Jap. Well, what's the Japanese uh, like a gi or like a? I don't know. Looks like a Japanese robe. It's one of those things that I know what you're talking about, but <laughs> I my brain won't allow me to access that word yes, for a some reason. Specific name for what I'm trying to describe, and it's yeah, just, it's ten not... minutes from now. I'll I'll shout it. Oh, make sure it's <laughs> awkward too. Yeah. Okay. Right <laughs> in the middle of like one of something you're saying. Perfect. I know who uh, Deadpool and Domino are. I do not know who the mysterious Gideon is. He seems vaguely familiar, like from X Force, but yeah, he's he's a lame. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so I think he will become a a factor in uh, X Force. Kimono, I k- kimono. Thank you. That is exactly what I was looking for, and you did interrupt me, so it worked out perfectly. Woohoo! Uh, I was doing a little research inadvertently. Uh, because the Eternals movie is out, but I got yeah. confused and I started doing research on the externals. <laughs> totally different, by the way. What is the externals? I don't even know. Yeah, there's a whole Earth 616 wiki on the externals. Okay. Uh, 
And, you know, it's just one letter off of Eternals. And I'm reading it and I'm like, God, I, I feel like I would have known all this. And I, I know that I've got some of these comics and none of this stuff. Like they were referencing Celine and Apocalypse and Gideon. And I'm like, what the, is that, is that who's in the movie? <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, it's Eternals, not Externals. So I did a whole bunch of uh, unnecessary research and it turns out uh, Gideon will become an external spoilers uh, and the externals will be an x-force enemy oh spoilers okay <laughs> all this is stuff i i didn't know but we open up the book and we get a full page splash of gideon he's awesome <laughs> <laughs> he's <laughs> awful <laughs> he's got he's got a top knot like his head is shaved but he's got a big uh, uh, flowing mane of hair tied back with like a like a gold band uh, but then he's got like like a mullet back, which I'm not sure where that hair comes from, unless he shaved yeah. his entire head except for the exact back uh, to produce kind of these uh, sort of mutton chop looking things, but they're not attached to his face. They're definitely He's coming from the back of his head. Definitely got a stylist that he works with <laughs> like hours and hours, and they, they come up with these concepts, and it's very stressful for a stylist because, you know, Gideon's a dangerous guy, but... I think it's worth it in the end. At first, I thought they were uh, mutton chops, yeah. like you said, but yeah, they're not. Yeah, they go behind the ears. I guess we'll have to keep a, an eye out. Yeah, you know, we'll have to keep an eye no. out for the back of his head, <laughs> uh, which you do get to see, but it always seems to be covered up by his uh, uh, his back. But we'll have to we'll have to check it out. Uh, anyways, he is in a uh, chalet in Val, uh, Colorado. Which apparently is equipped with a workout room full of robots and artificial intelligence. and he's, It's basically the danger room. He's fighting in it. And I don't know if he's English, but he's referring to his computer, I think, as Adam and says, Oh, chap, make it a random pattern. No, Adam's a character that will show up in a few pages. Okay. It's the, the blonde guy with the metallic suit that has no definition. Okay. Apparently, Sebastian Shaw set up all these robots for him, though. That's that's a callback yeah. to something. And Gideon, he, he yeah, he does a, a typical danger room workout here. This one's called The Beginning of the End, Part 1, The End of an Era. <laughs> I don't know if you can really say it's the end of an era. <laughs> uh, Rob Liefeld on the pencils, or uh, sorry, plot and art. Fabian this is the script. Joe Rosen is <laughs> the letters. Uh, Nisi Aza. Nisi Aza. That's what, that's what I'm going with. And I think the reason I think that is because there was a wiki one day that had a, like a pronunciation on it. Uh, S. Bucalada on colors. Bob Harris is the caretaker. Tom DeFalco is the beginning, middle, and end. I'm sure those are funny references to the Marvel bullpen. Gideon is wearing a way too tight vest. I feel like where he's he's got a good relationship with his hairstylist. He doesn't have a very good relationship with his tailor. Clearly making a mockery of him. He's also got, I, I don't know if it's Colossus arms uh, or if it's armored arms or what's happening. They seem to stop at the shoulders. So, yeah, they're basically Colossus, gold Colossus arms. Yeah. Who knows? He's got gloves on, so we can't see his hands. Yeah. And he's handily taking down all of these uh, green robots. And, yep. And <laughs> we do meet Adam. And I guess on this panel here, uh, on the fifth page, it kind of looks like he's got a Captain Picard hairline now, because now we can see oh, yeah. that he's let 
He's got like male pattern baldness, I guess. Has let all of the stuff on the side and the back grow out to create the top knot and then like the shoulder length hair. It's a uh, it's an interesting design choice. So Rob Liefeld likes drawing old men and bald men. Yeah, well, maybe because hair is hard. I don't know. Maybe he's got an homage to his father or grandfather, and that's why he likes to draw old men. This kind of looks like if the Professor X had a top knot. Sort of. Although the Professor has no hair. Yeah. So I'm going with like a Patrick Stewart if he just like let it all grow out, and then he did this <laughs> top knot and just, just let that hair on the side just hang down to his shoulders. Maybe the top knot is fake. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's bionic. <laughs> maybe he's got control over it and he can use it as a weapon okay i sure <laughs> hope so because that would be kind of awesome uh and he this guy is super busy he's got a noon meeting at the taylor foundation twelve thirty lunch with ms chaffee and two o'clock he's got to be uh, at the da costa stock inquiry we know that name and then at three, sure do. at three o'clock, he's got to be at the Roxon and Savage Land oil leases, which begs the question, is the Savage Land a publicly known area? And are they actually in the Marvel Universe, I guess, drilling oil out of there? It's probably not publicly known outside of corporations like the Roxon Corporation probably knows about it because they're evil and do bad stuff. Sure. Uh, there's probably some other corporations that might know about it i I don't know at four o'clock he's got a he's got a workout and dinner's open and so gideon is super rich and he's like well let's uh let's jet down to new orleans i want to have some crayfish listen to the blues so i'm imagining that fabian nicieza and rob liefeld are sitting down and just like kind of talking through this ideas and like and Rob Liefeld's like, oh, he's like super rich and he just wants to do all this awesome stuff. Like he travels down to New Orleans for lunch and he's got this date with this lady and, you know, he's got to see how it goes because he's got a score, man. That's the kind of guy he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Because he's having dinner with Ms. Ch- Chaffee uh, and Adam wants to know if Ms. Chaffee will be accompanying him down to New Orleans. And he's like, well, let's see how lunch goes. Wow. <laughs> which just comes off as creepy just because of the way that it's drawn mainly he just looks like a big creep <laughs> he does he's like sneering and kind of looking over his shoulder flippantly well let's see how lunch goes and maybe it's supposed to i don't know he I, is he a bad guy i'm not really sure i guess he's sort of a bad guy because he does stuff <sighs> bad stuff in this issue hard to say i'm gonna go with bad guy for now but um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he, he says, oh, so as he's leaving, he says, Emmanuel DaCosta, we have someone in place, don't we? And uh, Adam says, Eve, who I guess is Adam's other. Oh. Are Adam and Eve robots, maybe? I don't know. I didn't care <laughs> enough to catch that. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. He says that Eve needs to proceed as planned then. So that makes me believe that he's. Knowing what Eve does later makes me believe that he's a villain. Meanwhile, in the X-Men's danger room, Cable and Cannonball are doing their own workout. Cannonball's not supposed to interfere with Cable's workout. He's wrestling some sort of giant robot. robot. And then he's like, well, I got to work out too, so I'm just going to move this robot around while you fight it. And then Cable says, okay, well, then I'm also going to shoot at you so that we'll focus on you. Do SG... 2J3 now. 
<laughs> now, I want you to look at the bottom of this page very hard. And I want you to really look at what is happening with Cable's arm. Because at first glance, it's like, okay, it's, it's a perspective shot of Cable sort of reaching out to us, the audience, getting ready to, to shoot at Cannonball. And I'd say it's a, it's, a, it's a good Cable face. It's a good Cable body. It's a good Cable shoulder. But then I don't know. He's got like Popeye forearms that are disproportionate to his hand. I mean, this is classic Rob Liefeld stuff. He's not very good with perspective. <laughs> He's good with the concept of perspective. Like Absolutely. If, if you if you look at it, you're like, oh, that's a cool shot. Yes. But then if you look at it, you're like, wait, 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 wait what, what is what, happening what? here? Um, that, that's not humanly possible. Exactly. Because the way that the shoulder and the forearm are drawn, it makes it actually look like the forearm is far larger than the shoulder. Uh, and then you don't even know what's happening with the hand at that point. Now, the interesting thing about this dynamic pose, and it is very dynamic, and I see what he's going this for. This would work. If it was Mr. Fantastic, this would totally work. I don't know. If, if somehow he could just shrink down that forearm. I think it would be <laughs> perfect. It's just, I don't know. But keep your eyes open because you're going to see this exact same pose from a different character in a moment. <laughs> in every issue of New Mutants and X-Force moving forward. So I guess Cable has retrofitted his arm to have like little bullets that he can attach to his fingers. And then he shoots those at Cannonball, I guess. And then on the next page, he's just got a glove on, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, so the the panel I was complaining about, it looks like he doesn't have a glove, even though above in the page he does have gloves. After he fires... He, he shoots his fingers off, so... Yeah, after he fires, and Cannonball's like, oh, gee, I guess I couldn't avoid your, your bombs. He's got a glove on. Very... So I guess he has to take off his glove to shoot the finger missiles, but then how does the glove still fit? Do the finger <laughs> missiles still glow, or are they not missiles? They're I just like don't lasers. know. I <laughs> it's like he he's got these things on his arm, and it looks like he reaches with it with his his left arm or right arm. I can't tell, and uh, like he's pulling the bullets off to attach to his hand, and then there's a lot of detail in his fingers. It looks like he has finger bullets. But then the shot of him actually firing looks like his entire arm has turned into a cannon and is blasting at cannonball. And then, like yeah. like we said, the next panel is he's just he's got a glove on. So <laughs> it's hard to I, I don't know. What's yeah, happening. I guess I guess I guess you're right. I thought they were finger bullet finger missiles, but they're yeah. It's it's like the whole arm just sort of powers up and shoots, which is not as exciting. So if he's because he, it's going click kick chick chuck, like if he's like. Yeah programming something on his arm i feel like that could have been a little bit better represented with just a couple of like you know star wars blue and red buttons that he's pushing rather than he's like pushing on these little missile things but even in the panel where he's getting his his hand ready to do the firing those missile things look like they're still on his arm or his uh shoulder so I don't I don't know if he's doing like button pressing or if it's supposed to be like a transformer sort of thing where he's like moving stuff around. All of these like, Yeah. All of those are great ideas. Transforming arm, excellent. Buttons to reprogram what your hand does, excellent. Pulling little bullets off of your shoulder and attaching them to your fingers to fire. Excellent. It's just that in the execution you're like what what happened? <laughs> and then when you get to the final he's like he's got his his, his glove on you're like how is this going to work? And is he ever going to use this again? 
I don't know. Probably overthinking it here a little bit, but... Yeah, of course. That's what we do. <laughs> overthinking Rob Liefeld comics is kind of... It's kind of like, you know, easy targeting. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we make fun and everything. I mean, he does a far superior job than I could do. But this is something that I would do when I was 15 or 16, is I would probably draw poorly something very similar like ooh, it's gonna be so cool it's just gonna shoot out of his hand and that's kind of what it is i think that's that's the nail on the head right there is he he is very much drawing like he's a little kid yeah uh a successful little kid though a very successful little (laughs) kid so uh cannonball's working on sort of muting his blasting which sounds totally useless i mean i mean i guess it gets used later yeah um but at this point in the comic, I was like, why does Cannonball need to be quiet? That doesn't seem to affect anything. I don't but know. Maybe it comes into play later, so. I think it's maybe just Cable's a teacher. He's trying to help his students grow, and this is where they're going to grow his power. Uh, Cable has a weird shift in this issue because he becomes like this kind of military leader dude. And it's they have this like, Warlock was a casualty. Soldiers die in war. Wolfbane is either a defector or a prisoner. We we know she's not a defector. I <laughs> think right. you were there. Right. Yeah, I feel like the way that that story ended was that Havoc was going to try to rebuild with uh, mutants having equality. And Wolfsbane's like, I can't leave because every time I'm a human, I'm subservient. So I got to stay here and try to figure out what my place is. So for Cable to come back and be like, she's a prisoner of war. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, you misread that situation. Seriously, <laughs> so so something's something's shifted with with the writing of Cable, and I guess it's probably Fabian Nicieza, or maybe this is what Rob Liefeld wanted all along was him for him to be more of a military guy than sort of a a mentor. I'm guessing that the, uh, the educational lessons that they had to research and write papers on are gone. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I think that uh, Rob Liefeld came up with a bunch of characters. And, um, uh, what's her name? Louise Simonson was having trouble, was trying to build backstories and like, how does this make sense? Where does this man come from? What is he going to do? Uh, and I don't think Rob Liefeld cared anything about that. I think he just wanted to draw cool things in dynamic poses. But then Fyba Nisazia is probably on the same page or probably of the same generation. Like, yeah, let's just do some cool stuff. Um, so I would guess that when Cable was originally drawn and joined the New Mutants or took over the New Mutants or whatever, uh, none of this was in mind. I think they're like like Rob Liefeld has impulses for his characters. The the, the characters are like this. Yeah, maybe. But I could be wrong. Maybe that's just Fabian Nicieza or Louis Simonson trying to pull something out of nothing. The other theme that's going through this issue is uh the team is shrinking yeah we lost warlock we lost wolfsbane uh there's only like a handful of them left we're not soldiers sir we're family if life were a picnic you'd be a family since life is war you're soldiers is is life really war <laughs> can't, can't we be sort of both well it's all a matter of perspective adam <laughs> Meanwhile, I, mean, I guess you just got back from Extinction Agenda, so maybe that's really affected Cable. Yeah, it's maybe. not letting anybody in on that. It would be actually kind of would have been cool. Didn't happen, obviously. It was the '90s, but it would have been cool to have sort of a PTSD period from uh, from Extinction Agenda, right? Like all of us were 
mutants effectively uh, were, were captured, were taken to this island. Uh, some of us were, you know, mistreated. How could this happen? What about our dream? It'd be cool to have people sort of questioning, like, is this the right path? But it's just a thing that happened and they moved on. Yeah, I mean, I and, guess. And then having you know, Cable comics. sort of be like, you know, his coping mechanisms, like, life is warm. We need to be, which he, I guess he kind of does in that, that the last Uncanny X-Men issue we read. But I think they quickly yeah, they don't, they don't really that. connect the dots very well. But let's, you know. Yeah, we're, maybe. we're we're interpreters. Let's sure. let's connect the dots here. This is this is uh, Cable is clearly suffering from PTSD from Extinction Agenda. He lost one of his troops. It hurts him much more than he's saying right here. Um, he doesn't know what's going. For some reason, he doesn't know what's going on with Rain. <laughs> <laughs> he's in denial. Yeah, he's in denial. Yeah, I so, like it, Adam. It's good. It's good. It's good. So meanwhile, at uh, Da Costa's gigantic office in Brazil. Uh, a woman comes in. I guess this is Ms. This is Eve. Oh, this is Eve, right. Not Ms. Ms. Uh, uh, Gideon's score girl. Uh, he, she brings him poison coffee. And he dies. And he dies. <laughs> Just like that. It takes about two pages. Eve is clearly very evil. Um, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I guess Gideon's bad because Gideon set this up. Or Eve's bad. Well, Gideon set up Eve. I mean, Gideon did say that Eve should proceed with the plan. So I'm assuming this was the plan and Eve's not just going rogue. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So then we shift our attention to the sub-basement with Boom Boom and Richter. And all Richter is doing is like flexing and posing while he yells (laughs) about where where Rain is. And we got to get her and... I don't know what Boom Boom is sitting on or like where she is in relation to the floor because the panel cuts off, but her feet keep going. Some sort of dresser. Uh, I guess. There's a Bart Simpson poster behind Richter, which I feel like Rob Liefeld got bored of drawing or something because why would you put Richter directly in front of Bart Simpson's face? Maybe they're just trying to avoid some copyright. It's like Uh, we we only do 75% of Bart Simpson (laughs) Uh, nobody will catch us. So in this panel, like, Richter's, like, flexing and hunched over. His mouth is wide open. Like, he's yelling. He's like, we got we got to get rain. Uh, and then he, like, reaches out in the exact same pose that Cable had earlier, just reversed. So I almost wonder, like, if he used the same, like, uh, like wireframe and just, like, flipped it. This one's a little bit better but still a little wonky because his arm kind of bends in a way that doesn't make any sense. It, yeah. That's just was the problem of the other one too. But yeah, this, this one's weirder because there's just like flesh everywhere. And you're like, <laughs> okay, is there just like a blobby mound of flesh holding up a green glove or what's happening here? But he reaches out and is like, I don't have the power by myself, but if we go together, maybe we could do it. And uh, was like, no, I'm out. I'll take a slide on that, okay? I'll take a slide on that, because that's what the cool kids are saying. Uh, and then Richter, like, <laughs> does, like, the splits and reaches his hand out, you know, like a, like a typical hero, like I'm about to do something. Uh, it's very I mean, weird. He's working out or something? <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine, like, he's, like, grunting and flexing the entire time he's doing this whole you know, diatribe about how they have to go get rain. And Boom Boom also leaps off of the uh, 
the the dresser in a dynamic pose, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I, I I mind that less than Richter's just like, I mean that's a pose that's a it's a, it's a Rob Liefeld pose, and we'll see it a hundred more times probably. But it's usually used when like the hero is like down on his luck or about ready to do like a huge power move. But here he's just like, I miss rain. I guess he really misses rain. He sure does. So they they head off and Richter's like, I'm going to Genosha. I'm not going to ask Cable either. I'm out. What do I do? Says uh, Jubilee. Uh, Boom, boom. So Cable heads into his library and uh, the wall explodes and... Deadpool's here. Yeah, Deadpool is got a lot of pouches, as we mentioned. Um, and he he's his voice is pretty pretty good. It's, like a, he, it's okay. It's not quite where we expect it to be, I think. But no, no, it's definitely not where Deadpool will end up. But they, I feel like they had a couple conversations, and they were like, "What if Deadpool just talks a lot?" And they were like, "Yeah, that's cool." Or what if Spider Man was made in the nineties <laughs> and had swords? And pouches. And pouches. Because, yeah, he's talking, he's he's cracking some jokes, not as much as he will in the future. He's not as, like, jokey, but he definitely does talk a lot. And you get the you get the sense of his his dialogue is kind of overbearing and ridiculous, which is a Deadpool trait that carries through. He's much more muscular than Spider-Man. Yeah, that's true. Well, it depends. I think McFarlane, doesn't he draw a pretty muscular Spider-Man? Not like this. Yeah, I guess there's some really big uh, uh, thighs there. Really muscly thighs. So Deadpool's like, hey, you're Nathan. I'm Deadpool. Mr. Tolliver hired me to kill you. I think this is the first time we get Nathan. So I wonder, I'm wondering if they're connecting the dots. And it's like, what if we make Cable Nathan? Or was, is this just a, just a coincidence? So I was trying to put this together in my head. And we've, we've read a lot of comic books over the years. And I'm trying to – not sure what is like canon versus what is not canon – I know that Mr. Sinister has been r- referred to as either Nate or Nathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if it was in like classic X-Men backup stories or if it made its way to like mainline stories. Uh, what is the baby's name at this point? Is it just Christopher? It's it's well, it depends. I, I don't really know because it's <laughs> different in different issues, but it's I believe it's like nathan christopher uh summers yeah or christopher nathan summers i don't know or nathaniel i thought it was christopher nathan summers but i can't i guess I, th- I think what happened is that it was it was one name in x-men and it was another aim in x-factor and so at some point somebody just combined the names yes and i guess what you're saying is that the baby and mr sinister have both been at some point Referred to as Nathan, and now Cable is and also Cable. Being referred okay. to as Nathan. So either either they're just it's a coincidence and they didn't realize that when they did it. Although you would think somebody somewhere would be like, you know, we have that name already. Or if they're actually figuring out Cable right now and they're like, okay, uh, Cable's, yeah, Cable's a time traveler. We're gonna start doing that. Well, we don't know that. Uh, yeah, well, we don't know that. Yeah. We don't know any of this. Maybe, stuff. but I'm wondering staff, if they're sure. figuring it out. So. I think you're on to something, right? Because I think in um, Rob Liefeld's mind, Cable's name is not Nathan, right? Because uh, Cable, he's a he's a tough man. Yeah, his name is Cable. 
Right. Well, but like his real name would be something. I, his real name's Cable. <laughs> just just plain old Cable. Uh, I don't have a last name. My my name is just Cable. I'm kind of like Prince. Yeah. Uh, but no, he would have. I feel like he'd have like a more tough, grizzled, uh, old man name. And Nathan doesn't fit that bill. So I feel like you're right. I feel like there's a dot being connected there. I don't know who Mr. Tolliver is, but uh, Deadpool's like, don't take it personally. I'm just hired to kill you. Mr. Tolliver hired me to find you. Yep. Well, Mr. Tolliver also hired me to kill you. <laughs> and so he's he's got his gun drawn. He's, I guess, about to shoot uh, Cable. It'd be really good for him to, to use his finger bullets now, but he doesn't. Uh, Cannonball, though, silently flies in and uh, knocks Deadpool down. He's like, I did it. I kept my blast field quiet enough to sneak up on him. So, payoff. We get some payoff. Uh, Deadpool fires out a neural disruptor net to to tangle up and take down Cannonball. Falls to the ground. But that's enough of a distraction for Cable to start punching at uh, Deadpool, who's like, Yeah, Nathan, you broke my jaw. So I don't know if if they're establishing that Deadpool is tough or if they're establishing that he's got a healing factor. But Deadpool then says, I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of... That they're establishing that he's tough. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, they're also kind of establishing that he talks to himself a little bit, which is kind of fun. Right. Uh, caught me by surprise, too. I hate it when that happens. I hate that. I hate when that happens, too. And then he sta- he throws a knife into Cable's leg, which I missed the first time around. Yeah, same here. I had to, I had to go back to see because the next thing, Cable's on the floor and Deadpool is saying, geez, I'm sorry. That must have really hurt. So I had to go back. I was like, oh, he threw he threw a tiny little knife into his gigantic leg. So Richter runs up the stairs. He says, we're tired of people attacking us. Give up now or start hurting. And uh, Deadpool's like, Richter, sunspot, boom, boom. Hmm, okay, okay, let me think about it. Nah. Nah. And he fires off some more neural net stuff maybe to take Richter out. He's like, oh, your vibration powers are probably the most unpredictable, so I'm going to take you out. Uh, he First. <laughs> yeah, first, I guess. He pulls out some little flechettes. Is that what's happening at the bottom of this page? Yeah, he, he's got... It's weird because he has, he pulls out three flechettes, mm-hmm. but then he gets stabbed in the back by three flechettes. Yeah. So. <laughs> I couldn't tell like if he's just like reaching back to grab like one of his swords, which seemed to have disappeared in this panel, by the way. Uh and the three flechettes, because then you hear a thunk, 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 which would be the three flechettes, I think, hitting him in the back. But he's got three flechettes in his hand, so it's very confusing as to where did these three flechettes come from? Are they the same as the three flechettes that are in his back? Or are there six? I think it's just a coincidence <laughs> that he's pulling out three flechettes, and then he gets stabbed in the back by three flechettes. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> it's very strange, but... Uh, he falls down, boom, boom, just like us, the reader says, I'm confused. And uh, Sunspot's like, Dios mio, what happened? So the, 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 the confusing part is if you're following along with Deadpool's back, he's got two swords on his back. Right. And then when the panel, he pulls out three flechettes, he has one sword on his back, and it's just the, the, the thing. And then when he gets stabbed in the back, he has no swords on his back. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Yeah, his, his swords uh, just keep changing. That's crazy. Because we do get full on back. The is it, is it crazy back. though, or is it just what we should be expecting at this point? 
Uh, this is, yeah. I mean, everything we read in that, in that one book about things disappearing and, and showing up whenever they're needed is, is absolutely full on display here. Uh, and the person who threw the flechettes at, uh, Deadpool says, oh, I happened. Hello, Cable. You called. I came. I'm Domino. <laughs> Just in time as usual. How have you been, Domino? I've been around. I've been around. Luck powers. How's the babysitting? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't say that. No. We don't know what her powers are. For all we know, yeah. she's just a super skinny person with pouches. She's a really good flechette thrower. Who throws flechettes. Uh, and if you look at the next page, uh, page 19, uh, she is a giant in comparison to uh, Boom Boom, Sunspot, and Cannonball. There's, she's got to be standing on a couple of apple boxes or something because, like, I, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no floor in this. All you see is a wall. It's very... Yeah, it's it's they're just in the background. We, so we don't. Uh, it yeah. She has to be standing on something, otherwise her legs are like she has giraffe legs. <laughs> so it looks like there's a railing behind them with stairs that go down, maybe. So I'm assuming to, that the gray down into the bookshelf <laughs> down into the bookshelf. Yes, it to me it looks like what. Sunspot, Cannonball, and Boom Boom are standing on is the ground. That gray with that little hash marks there's the ground. Which would mean that Domino's I in the... I thought that was the wall. Well, because it... And, and you would, because if you keep following the panel up behind the staircase and the railing, it's the exact same pattern and the exact same color. So you Why could are just, there rocks in the foreground? There's like it's like spiky rocks coming out of the ground well, in I the think, library. I think that's from when Deadpool blasted in. So I'm going to go with... Uh, it's just wood. Okay, so that's, that's wood, <laughs> From the bookshelf. But yes, they definitely look like, you know, slag tights or stalagmites whichever one are on the ground okay it's all very confusing as to like where people are uh but they tie um deadpool up and they're like all right well let's let's send him back <laughs> so they they uh, uh cable fedexes him i guess back to um uh mr Tolliver. yep and that's that's pretty much all we get he, he's fedex back which i feels like that's a thing that fedex wouldn't do but okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there, yeah, there's a, there's a famous, famous, there's a story about a man, uh, a, a while ago who needed to make it from like Australia to England and couldn't afford a plane ticket. So he built himself a crate, uh, and mailed himself effectively, uh, on the same plane that he could have had a seat on because it was 10 times less expensive. In the... In the early part of the century, like in, I, I would say, probably pre-20s, 1920s, mm-hmm. maybe maybe in the 1800s, people used to mail their children across country and the post office, because it was cheaper, mm-hmm. and the usually the post office workers would kind of take care of them as they would go on like trains and whatnot. And that, to me, is just bizarre. It's a different time, Adam. It was a very different time. <laughs> so Domino is, uh, I guess, now Cable's right-hand man. Or woman. Yeah. Uh, because she's hanging out as as Cable goes through the records. He he called. She came. She's uh, she's bent over in a very awkward, like, I feel almost like, I don't know. I feel bad. She just looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. Every What's pose. Going, this pose is just, it looks painful. Every one of her poses is, is definitely um, pin-up, uh, 
This isn't pinup though. This is like somebody made an attempt to do a pinup and it ended up looking like a geriatric. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Her head, her face is good. Uh, her... Maybe it's because he wants to hide her hands behind Cable's arm, and so her arms just look extremely long, and then her legs also just stop at some point. Her legs kind of look like horse legs. Like, if you were to cover up her body and her head and just see her legs, you might assume that those are animal legs. Or if you just covered up her head, because, I mean, she kind of is in a horse position. And it's also unclear, you know, her hands are behind Cable's arm. It looks like she's leaning on something, but there's no armrest in sight. So, uh, and, and a little earlier, uh, Sunspot and Cannonball are like, look at how he is affected by Domino. He's smiling. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. They're like a little <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. So then we go through all of our characters, Rusty and Skids. Uh, they're they're both uh, been captured by the mutant or aligned with the mutant liberation front. Uh, and Cable's like Skids. Her powers are pretty useless. She's <laughs> like, really? I w- so uh, yeah. So 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 Cable is reviewing all of the potential members of the team, past members of the new mutants, some members of X Factor, I guess. Think kids that could potentially be on the team and. He's saying no to all of them. Yeah. Uh, Rusty, he doesn't say Rusty's powers suck. Doesn't Rusty have a code name? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. No, is Skids, Skids, her code name I thought was Skids. Is her is, is that her actual name? Who names her kid Skids? I. That feels like a code name. Skids is her nickname or code name. I can't remember if we ever learned her first name, but. We did find okay. out that her name was Blevins, and, and I was wondering if that was in relation to Brett Blevins, but we don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, he says, like you said, that her power is pretty useless in battle. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, she learned in the Exterminators or some issue how to how to uh, expand her force field around multiple people. She sounds like a perfect ally in battle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like shields. Karma, she's out because she's got her own agenda. Yeah, she's off in Madripoor working for her, her uncle. Magma's sort of. super powerful, but she's not worth the effort. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, and then Danny Moonstar, she's in Asgard as a Valkyrie, so that that makes sense. They're not gonna probably be able to get a, in whole, uh, in touch with her. Forget it. Forget about her. Not much to work with. I know. I've already taken steps to remedy that. And then, yeah. So th- this is just this is all the setup. We're getting rid of the old team. We're getting we're getting ready for X Force. All of the rest of the team will magically show up within the next few issues. Richter runs away. Yeah, Richter runs away out of that that same hatch that was such a problem in Extinction Agenda. <laughs> Ooh, that dirty hatch. Uh, boom, boom. She's sleeping. She gets a letter. Dear Tabitha, off to save Rain. Sorry, I'll be back soon. And then Gideon shows up, I guess, in the mansion and says, hey, Roberto, your, your dad had a heart attack. I'm sorry. Yep. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the issue. So I got to be honest. Like, we, I made a lot of fun of that issue. Um, but but they're, they're very digestible. They don't make a lot of sense. But never do I find myself saying, like, oh, man, I'm getting bored. <laughs> I would have agreed with you for the past few issues, but yeah, this this one was just I. Oh, you didn't whole, like this one? I uh, I liked it once Deadpool shows up. 
because mm. because it because it was interesting. It was like, oh, this is the first appearance of Deadpool. You know, he's not quite got the voice right, but they they sort of still have the idea sort of figured out. That was kind of interesting. And then Domino shows up and like, oh, that's cool. She's also sort of different than what she would become. So that kind of stuff carried me through. Otherwise, it's just like this. This was dumb. This was just <laughs> dumb. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying that as I was reading it, and it's a quick read. Uh, because there's a lot of big panels and, and not a ton of words. It's, uh, you know, and then when you start contrasting it against, you know, Chris Claremont or Louis Simonson or other established writers, you're like, okay, I see what they're trying to do. <laughs> but they're just not spending enough time. Like, who, who is Domino? Like, when did he call her? Like, could we have set that up maybe a couple of issues ago? Or Well, this is like at some at, at some point they were like, okay, we're doing a new comic book. We yeah. have to wrap up. This is this is where we want to go, and we have three issues to wrap it up. We want to end on issue one hundred. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, how do we do that? So it's going to be a race because who knows? When they first started Extinction Agenda, maybe they didn't know that they were going to do an X Force. I don't know. Maybe, but there uh, it is. Wolverine number thirty six was an issue. It was. It continues the uh, Wolverine back in time storyline that we touched on. A few. Yeah few b-sides ago yeah um it, it's uh it's good you know you got your uh your uh sylvestrian green art you've got your larry ham on the scripts nothing good stuff nothing in my opinion nothing like really happens that forwards on the the story of the x-men but uh well, I mean, does every issue of <laughs> X Men or Wolverine have to forward the story of the X Men? You can, you just sometimes you just have some adventures that don't necessarily matter. Yeah, this no, is, this is one of those, and it's entertaining, and that's what I don't know. I feel like the expectations for comics to have to drive some sort of mythos forward is kind of silly. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. There's a couple of, of, of memorable moments here. You'll remember that Lady Deathstrike, uh, she, she also fell into this little portal. So you got Puck in his tall form. Logan, who's just Logan, he's kind of like, why am I not in my 1939 uh, body? Which is an interesting uh, question for him to ask. And he kind of pieces together that this is Gateway's doing. And so maybe maybe Gateway had something to do with that. And he doesn't he doesn't know. So as they're sort of escaping from from these Nazis here that are sort of tracking them down, there's a a neat bit in the uh, page seven here where they hang a person from a telephone pole. And you're like, oh, man, that's grim. But you can like I I pretty much figured it out right away uh, because the silhouette is very Lady Deathstrike like. Yeah. And And they also say she killed uh, she killed. Well. Where we left off last issue, Lady Deathstrike was facing off with these guys. Yeah. So either you connect the dots or you don't. Yeah. But she, they, he says uh, she murdered five German soldiers, killed them with her bare hands, apparently. Quite remarkable. Pity we hadn't time for extensive interrogation. And then they hang her on a telephone wire. Now, what's kind of goofy, I like it, you know, because she's Lady Deathstrike. She's not obviously going to die this way. She... You know, they're like, ah, oh, it's taken her a while to die or maybe she's dead or whatever. But then she opens up her eyes and she starts talking to them uh, and she's able to free her hands, which is great. Uh, but then she's able to get out of the noose by flexing her neck, 
which is kind of <laughs> goofy. Because, you know, if she could free up her hands and pop her claws, she could just cut that off. The, the, I don't know, man. This stuck with me as a kid. This kind of freaked me out. The whole hanging like, thing is pretty powerful, but the, but the neck bulge is kind of goofy looking to me. It's, it's those specific neck bulge panels they just for some reason they stuck with me and it was just like oh that's <laughs> well it begs the question in my mind is this is this like one of her cybernetic abilities or did she just flex her neck i think it's her cybernetic <laughs> abilities nobody nobody realistically is able to flex their neck where they can pop off wires i'm with you but i'm just when when larry hama and dan silvestri and green or silvestri and green were going through this was that what they were going for is like this is part of her cybernetic abilities or we're gonna have her flex her muscular neck so much that it pops out of the noose i don't know it's cool i like it i mean and then it's, she she lands on the ground and there's like all these birds flying around and she's like, oh, my name is Deathstrike. And she grabs one of the crows and just smash, smushes it in front of them. That's also pretty powerful. Not that I'm like uh, uh, advocating for any sort of animal cruelty at all, but if they're going for like powerful imagery, yeah, mission succeeded. And then the for some reason, we cut to Australia in the present where uh, Pierce and the Reavers are. And they there's some sort of tornado happening up by gateway. So they run up to the mountain and a crow appears out of, I guess, crow feathers. And uh, Pierce surmises that Yuriko is tampering with the past and upsetting the continuum. If she kills people who should have lived and done things that affected others, she could cause an uh, anomaly and wake make us make us not be. I'm not sure how it would affect them in particular but very selfish and uh, sort of sort of self-important to be like she's messing with the time space continuum if she keeps on doing it it make might make us not be so i'm wondering if like the five guys that she killed earlier also parts of their suits like popped in them they just didn't notice it before i mean I, i'm assuming those are all everybody who dies in this is probably a soldier who was going to die anyway think is what we're supposed to believe sure i wish pierce would have said if she kills uh uh, people who should blah 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 she could cause an anomaly and unmake us oh yeah because i think make us not be is kind of clunky yeah but that's just it's just a minor nitpick maybe this little boy they've got this little boy that they're sort of trucking around with he's a prisoner yeah and they they don't want to kill him because he's a little kid maybe he's pierce Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he is, but. I mean, I guess they don't know where she is. So maybe, maybe somehow she could be anywhere affecting. And, uh, and we do learn that her plan ultimately is to uh, find her father in the past and prevent him from mm-hmm. crashing in. Presumably some, he did some sort of kamikaze into an American carrier. And uh, that was ultimately what led to her being Lady Deathstrike. So she's going to try to kill Wolverine, send him, send her father the adamantium uh, and prevent her from ever being created. So she is going to (laughs) absolutely do what they suggested. I don't know how that would affect the the Reavers, but it would would definitely affect her. And then you get into this whole paradox of if she does this and she can't be made, then how can she go back in time to make all of this happen? Right. They they don't obviously don't go down that road because that would be convoluted but you know it's there in the background meanwhile there's this crazy airplane guy who 
is just going rogue. I think he was just supposed to do some surveillance, but he starts shooting at uh, Wolverine, Puck, and this lady that they've picked up. So Wolverine, he grabs this giant gun and he just starts shooting at the airplane. It's pretty cool. He gets an oil leak and he's eventually he's going to crash, but the guy did manage to shoot Puck. So they have to take Puck to a hospital, but if they go to the hospital, they can't bring the kid with them. So they send the kid off on his own. And then... Well, they're about to, like, there's a pretty another powerful shot where the kid's on his hands and knees and this other guy that they're with just, like, points a gun right at his head. He's like, we can't Kate, take this guy with us. He's a liability. Right. we got to kill him. And they're like, no, he, he'll give us his word that he won't give up our location. So let's just let him go. And as he's leaving, somebody picks up a gun and it's, it's going to take a shot at him. And another guy says, no, you're, you're not. You're not. The, the same guy who said... We should let him go. Takes him and says, "I'm I'm the better shot. I'll I'll make it clean." And somebody's uh, the the lady that they're with says to Wolverine, "Hey, stop, Logan, stop him. This is not good." And he's like, "He's gonna do. He's gonna do what he has to do. He's doing the right thing." And then presumably he shoots the little boy as he's running away. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine somehow knew he wasn't as well. Right. And there's a whole page of stuff that happens talking about the guy with the oil leak and he's about to crash and he does end up exploding. Uh, and this evil Nazi guy lights his cigarette off the flaming uh, helmet of this man who just died. Uh, I like these three panels, the the panel where they're all in the tank and the, the flames are just kind of falling on them. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a nice panel. Lady Deathstrike and the captain or whatever he is, neither of them are... Um, affected at all whereas the rest of the troops are like covering their heads and then he lights a cigarette off the flaming helmet and that's when the boy shows up and and they're like boy we're gonna kill you if you don't give them the location and he says i cannot tell thee sir i swore on my mother and the blessed virgin and all the saints and if if one of them did even though one of them did shoot at me and then lady deathstrike basically says yeah i'm gonna kill you if you don't tell me and i think he tells them yeah he definitely tells them because <laughs> as they continue their their trek through the mountains there wolverine sniffs uh and smells that a gun is about to go off yeah wolverine talks to the guy who was shooting at the boy and says i i knew the the guy's like you knew i wasn't going to shoot the boy didn't you and he's like yeah i knew but uh are you are you sure the boy's not going to say anything and he's like well i trust him and then wolverine's like yeah i think somebody who doesn't really care about oaths uh, figured it out. <laughs> right. Because I guess he smells Lady Deathstrike is the implication there. Get down. She's here. And her new friends are within rifle range. So he's like, get, get on out. You all get on out of here. I got this giant gun. You don't worry about me. I'll I'll take him. Pulls off his, uh, his uh, clothes that he's wearing, his street clothes, and he puts on his Wolverine garb. Uh, and I guess he doesn't shoot at all. He just... Yeah, the gun, like he says it's like... Uh something's wrong with it just like i figured firing pins broken hit a bum casing when i let rip that burst at the me 109 so when he was shooting at the plane it mm. broke. what the heck i'm not too crazy about guns to begin with which is interesting because the cover of this comic's pretty pretty rad <laughs> with wolverine in his wolverine costume i think he's got like a cigarette a cigar and this giant gun he's just like firing it off and you're like it's guntastic it, the, yeah and it's just like like uh, shells like just falling to his knees and you're like this i kind of want to see this wolverine <laughs> well i mean we get to, we get to see him shoot a plane he's not wearing his outfit yet but you know now he is 
and he runs into the troops. You get some cool art where he come, comes in through the shadows. Yeah. Uh, leaps in, um, takes out some some people, and Lady Deathstrike's all right. He's like, there he, there, there he is. Presumably more dudes that aren't going to affect the timeline. Probably. She says, Wolverine, let me rip uh, and tear and smash and mangle for honor's sake and other meaningless causes. Fight me. To be continued. She steps into the into the shadows or into the smoke to do a one on one for part three of whatever whatever this is. There you go. That that was uh was Wolverine. Sure was. Fantastic four three forty nine. So we're continuing the uh the new Fantastic Four storyline with Hulk and Wolverine and Ghost Rider and Spider Man. Best Fantastic Four ever. <laughs> Uh, is this part two of two or part three of three? This is part three of three. Yeah, I feel like this could have uh, been reduced. I felt like this issue. Yeah, I felt like this yeah, issue probably could have, but then you wouldn't have sold three issues. That's true. It does say that this features the world's most exploitive cameo, and it looks like uh, Punisher, but I don't recall seeing Punisher in this issue. It's at the very end. Oh, okay. And yes, he, he's he's in it for literally maybe a panel or two. Hmm. Uh, oh, is that the oh is that the guy flying the helicopter with the, the little skull? Yeah, helmet. Hmm. Exactly. I read this and I was like, I don't know who this man is. It's probably dovetails into the next issue that I'm not going to read. <laughs> I don't think it does. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, they basically figure out that uh, the lady there is a scroll. She's after an egg. Uh, there's some really cool monsters. Um, Wolverine doesn't really do much. He doesn't do much at all. No. Uh, there is like, I think on page 13 here, there's sort of like a Hulk, you punch it. Ghost Rider, you use your chain to do a thing. Wolverine, you use your claws to cut the lasers out. And I'm Spider-Man. I'll use my spider sense to sort of guide your claws, which to me is not how spider sense works, but... <laughs> That's the teamwork that they come up with, and I think it's pretty much all Wolverine really does is is help to crack open uh, this egg that that Mole Man really really wants, um, and then eventually, um, or Franklin uh, rescues yes. the rest of the Fantastic Four back at Fantastic Plaza or Free Four Freedoms Plaza. Uh, they discover that the the robot she got the tip that Richards Reed Richards gave her as she was leaving before, yes. which which we caught on on something where he's like i should tell my friends the marines that something and she was like that phrase meant something special as i have no friends in the marines right. therefore i referenced it and learned that it is a colloquial expression it means whatever the speaker is saying is untrue i did not look up to see if that was a thing i thought <laughs> that was kind of interesting so she immediately uh found and rescued the fantastic four so when they show up here towards the end of the issue, I guess mid- midway to the end of the issue, we see a uh, human torch, um, a female thing. What's her name? Sharon? Alicia? Yeah, Sharon. Sharon. Invisible. Alicia, Alicia is the girl at the bottom. What? Alicia Masters. Oh, but she didn't have any powers. No, she's, she's just she's blind, blind right? and yeah. she does good sculptures. She's an artist. Uh, invisible woman there. And then 
Thing, but earlier we see Thing is Ben Grimm. So does can he just turn into the Thing whenever he wants to? I'm confused about him. At this point, he wears a Thing costume that Mr. Fantastic developed for him. So he's just wearing a costume. He can no longer turn into the Thing. Is he as strong as the Thing when he's in his Thing costume? I would expect not. I have no idea. I mean, they're as strong as they need him to be. <laughs> I don't think he's as strong as the lady thing. Sure. But because there's a there's a scene here where Hulk's like, hey, Grim, you lost some weight, but it looks like I could still beat the tar out of you. And he's like, we can skip the chit chat, Hulk. Uh, oh, I, yeah. We got more important things to do. Yeah. I didn't know if if uh, Ben Grimm, because I thought in an issue, maybe even the issue prior to this story, they were on an island and Thing had his little Thing costume. And I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Yes, that is that is what happened. He has a he has a thing costume. It's completely ridiculous. They never really explain it that well. It's pretty dumb, but you know whatever. It's 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 what they're going with. Sure, he'll be thing in probably the next issue. Who knows? There's two really cool monsters that are mates and they're huge and they really want this egg thing too. And they they end up being sort of the the solution to this whole problem. But I liked them. It's it's a lady monster. Is there another? Oh, there is there is there a man monster too? I think the green one is the lady monster, and the orange one is her mate. Okay, so he shows up later. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. To to crack the egg, as you mentioned, they use their powers all together. So what does Spider Man do? I can use my spider sense to help you stab the thing i guess well because you need precision to like work through the lasers (laughs) and so so spider-man's going to use his spider sense to help guide wolverine's claws which something doesn't doesn't really jive with what i understand they had to come up with some sort of teamwork so yeah no this is what they came up with. mission accomplished i guess (laughs) uh yeah and then it turns out that Reed Richards knew what was happening the whole time. He was just playing along, and uh, I had no choice. Yeah, and then he then he punches out the this female scrawl thing or whatever she is. And the rest of the Fantastic Four show up. Um, the scroll temporarily turns into MJ. Yep. <laughs> Ghost Rider uses his penance stare on on this bad guy person, the scroll lady. Yeah. Uh, and then they all leave. The egg. The egg turns out to be some sort of robot monster and the uh the big monsters decide to make it their child yeah it it and they even say like oh no it's imprinted on the big monster yeah so oh well (laughs) so anyways uh, art adams artwork uh you know ghost rider spider-man hulk wolverine as the fantastic four you're you know it it could have done different things but you know still fun yeah i mean you know you, it's it's a story. It yeah. has a lot of characters. You, they do a lot of stuff. Uh, it, it sold probably lots of lots of issues. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it did what it was supposed to do. It told a little story, and then yeah, the Punisher shows up and he sees that he's he followed one of the monsters back to Monster Island. He sees the Fantastic Four are already there with Ghost Rider, Spider Man, the Hulk, and Wolverine. Is just like I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. You read New Warriors? Because I didn't. So I included New Warriors on here just because there's another one of those panels of Emma Frost plotting. Um, Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. 
I'm not as well organized as I could be. Yeah, she's it's it's literally two, three panels, four if you include the location thing. She's just uh, torturing one of the uh, Hellfire Club guys in order to find some information about him uh, and the new the new warriors. So that's it. Riveting. She's still wearing that stupid outfit where she has one leg exposed. Oh, hot. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to Marvel Comics Presents uh, number 60. Yeah, so we had been talking about how the story was getting good. Well, it's back to being terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't call it terrible. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. I like in the beginning, you get a full-page spread of uh, Calvin... Rankin and Wolverine fighting and Calvin's uh, claws go snick where Wolverine's go snicked. Oh, did they? I didn't yeah. notice that. <laughs> that's a, that's a fun touch. Uh, they fight for a while. Uh, Hulk saves a car that's about to drive off of a cliff and then the sun rises. So Hulk turns into Bruce Banner and they're like, Oh, Bruce. All right. Well, let's, let's hitch a ride. And the people that they end up hitching a ride with are like, Hey, we remember you, Bruce. Here. Kelvin, Kelvin down like Hulk is carrying some drugs that he just happened to like take from the pharmaceutical place that they were at, and he's like, "Here, take these." So he downs like a bottle of drugs, yeah, to and, calm down, I guess. Uh, and then some lady in the front is like, "Here, drink some of this," and it looks like a bottle of wine. But yeah, this is very strange um, because these these hitchhikers. They're hitchhiking. These group of teenagers who happen to be going to Canada conveniently pick them up. We met them earlier in the uh, series. It's the same ones that they – so they recognize Bruce Banner. Mm -hmm. They're really into the fact that there's – everybody is like bare-chested. Calvin Rankin's in his underwear. Mm -hmm. It's very weird. Um, they have them back some wine and Bruce Banner is just really into it for some reason. Yeah. He's probably laced with something because he's all drugged out. Wolverine's like, hey, maybe you should take it easy. And he's like, oh, I'm at least going to give it a try. I don't want to be an ingrate. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, isn't Bruce Banner like a doctor? <laughs> isn't he supposed to be really smart? This is so out of character. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. And uh, so they, they drive all day uh, and make it to, I guess, where a Grateful Dead concert is going to occur. And the sun goes down. It's so convenient. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it, when when it first happened, I was like, oh, okay, cool. The rest of the story maybe maybe takes – maybe I, as a person who doesn't know much about the Hulk and Bruce Banner, we get to learn some stuff about Bruce Banner. But nope, immediately the sun goes down and he turns back into Hulk. But now he doesn't remember what's happened and he's gone crazy. Presumably because of the stuff he drank maybe? I don't know. I, I think they're in Washington I think they're in Toronto. Toronto. So th there's this like space needle. Yeah. Is that in Toronto? There, there is something like that in Toronto. Okay. Yes. So I'm assuming cause they're going, they went to Canada and they went to a grateful dead concert. So it's probably Toronto. So they, the Hulk jumps to the top of it. Uh, and then he rips, I don't know what he's ripping here. Do you? It, yeah. I don't know what that is because it just looks like it's a, a tear in the top of the building. Kind of looks like he's holding a two by four. I just assumed he was ripping off his shirt, but I guess no. He already his shirt is already gone because he was yeah. didn't have a shirt this whole time. So for some reason, it looks like he's ripping a piece of the building off. 
I guess that must be what it is. Uh, and I thought Calvin maybe... Rankin's like, what's with him? He's so primal, savage. He doesn't seem to know who any of us are anymore. He may have been affected by whatever it was Banner was drinking. Yeah. Or it may be something far greater. But one thing's for sure, he's going wild. Next issue, it's over, finally. <laughs> I did read the Scarlet Witch story. I did too. It was, uh, it, it talks a lot about mutants. Which is neat. Like she's visiting Harvard and, and all these people are like, oh my God, it's the Scarlet Witch and we love mutants. Uh, and she's like, yeah, it's cool. I, I'll take some questions and do an impromptu press release. And then as she walks away, she's like, oh, I'm glad nobody asked me about my time with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. And they, she hears the, the summation of the news report and it's like, we've heard about the mutant menace, but in my opinion, this woman was awesome. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. So she heads off to the library. So she's going to do some additional studying on witchcraft. And they do ask her, like, hey, you're a mutant. Why are you also doing witchcraft? And she's like, I don't know. It's like it is all. <laughs> it it relates well to my powers. Yeah, because she can do hex powers. And so she does some hex. Like, it's reality bending, right? You get some flowers. You get whatever. And then she heads off to the library to do some additional research. And there's a man there that uh, stays there the entire day and sort of meets her outside. Um he invites her to dinner. And immediately I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be another mastermind story? <laughs> <laughs> it's the exact same plot that I've seen two other times. But the other part of me is like, why would she do this? And she just kind of say like, oh, I'm going to let my guard down a little bit. You know, it's been such a good day that, yeah, I'm going to go to this strange man's house. Yeah, she, she, she doesn't think that it's anything like a supervillain, which is what would the obvious thing that I would think that it was. Right. But she does think that it's like some guy who's after some romantic endeavors. And she's like, yeah, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a normal guy. I've had such a great day. Nobody, you know, these, those kids liked mutants. So maybe he likes mutants. I don't know. It, I don't know. The way I would. It just seems to me that, you know, as I guess I'm not a woman, but if I were right, if, if well, uh, it's Scarlet Witch and she says, I think I can handle myself a loquacious academic, I but suppose. you know. It was just probably true, but you're, you're Scarlet Witch. It's going to be a supervillain. All <laughs> right. So understand that there's probably going to be men interested you in you, probably interested in your same interests. Uh, so, so here they could go out to dinner. They could talk all about witchcraft and, and have a, a really splendid evening. And, and maybe he's the one, uh, although they do ask about vision and I'm not really quite sure what's happening there, but yeah, it seems like I'm maybe not they're not sure. I don't together. know when this takes place in time, because if this is present vision, they're not together anymore because he lost all of his emotions. But it's probably past vision. So they're, I'm thinking they're still together. But in any event, she goes to his house to have dinner. He puts on a creepy Dracula cape and <laughs> uh, gives wine from a decanter into golden goblets. And immediately you're like, OK, this is all everything here is evil. But, yeah. she, but she drinks it, and of course, I think she gets drugged. And this guy's like, mutants, I hate them! Yeah, he used a hypnotic drug in the wine so that he could send her into the past, I guess. Because he's, like, obsessed with the past, and he's really into the past, and he reveals his name is Pastmaster, yeah. which is awesome. I'm the Pastmaster! My power is to talk about the past. I guess he sends her spirit into the past and but her body's just like hanging out with the aid of my enchanted creepy. lens my mystic channeling will pluck you 
your spirit from your mutated body, thrust it back into time, and merge it with one of your ancestors. You shall not suffer, nor even truly perish. It's weird. But you'll be stuck in the past, and I'll just keep your body here. It'll be saved, I promise. Uh, so I'm sure that just I'm like... I'm not that bad. <laughs> just like all the Marvel Comics presents stories in general, it, this is probably going to be a big letdown. But uh, the uh, the idea is neat. And if they could have somehow come up with a less contrived uh, way to get her into the past... Yeah. But obviously, you, you only have like five, six pages to deal with. So they're like, yeah, she totally just goes to his house for dinner and drinks poisoned wine because she's not an Avenger and she doesn't have training. <laughs> fact i think right now where we are in, in west coast and vendor she doesn't have her powers as she does so this is definitely happening in the past so i'm guessing she's still married to vision here uh yeah i recall them asking about the vision but i don't re- remember what the answer was they ask where their house is mm-hmm. or something like that and she's like we we're with the west coast avengers now and we no longer live at that house but it's none of your business <laughs> Basically, no, yeah. not answering any private questions. So, well, that's that. So there you go. That's that's the the end of uh, B sides part one. B sides. So, if you want to weigh in, let us know what you think about B sides part one. B sides. <laughs> Do so by uh, visiting us at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Twitter us at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or anywhere your podcasts are found to subscribe and leave feedback and all that good stuff. Uh, and visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash dangerroom, where we talk about the modern uh, Dawn of X, Day of X, whatever it is. Uh, that's occurring, and uh, you know some other pop culture stuff. We talk about movies that we've seen, TV shows that we've seen. I saw a movie that I'm going to talk about the next time we do a Patreon, Adam. That'll be next week. Well, so, probably. <laughs> look forward to that, everybody. Woohoo! In the meantime, anything else? No, sir. Okay. Re Bob. Until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's B-Sides. And the B-Sides is closed. <laughs> What's going on with your dog? <laughs> she really wants to come down here.